0: You all know me. Know how I earn a living. This shark will swallow you whole. I value my neck a lot more than three thousand bucks, chief. Find him for three, but I'll catch him and kill him for ten. Ten thousand dollars for me by myself. For that, you get the head, the tail, the whole damn thing. We've got a problem on our hands on the 4th of July. Mr. Vaughan, Mr. Vaughn, I pulled a tooth the size of a shot glass out of the rectal of the boat out there, and it was the tooth of a great white. A what? You're going to need a bigger boat. Love to prove that, wouldn't you? Get your name into the National Geographic. Welcome back to yet another episode of the Jaws Obsession, where we are here to share with you, prove to you, convince you, or remind you that Jaws is the greatest movie of all time. Welcome back, everybody, to this episode 49 of the Jaws Obsession, our top 5% globally ranked Jaws talk show by ListenNotes.com. It's great to be back talking to you to talk about Jaws and the developments that we have going on here At the Jaws Obsession, we had a little bit of a break there for the last few days. We had to break our weekly schedule there because of the uh, shipping obligations for the Book of Quint. For the last uh, 10 days, I have worked very hard, and I was proud to say that all the backers to the campaign, we shipped over 100 books out across the world to countries uh, from Great Britain to Australia to Finland, to New Zealand, of course, all around the United States, Ireland, Scotland. Everybody has now been sent and shipped their book. I have contacted everyone via email regarding tracking numbers, and the last of the few books should be landing on doorsteps, Right before next weekend, which is which would be Christmas weekend, and that's what we aimed to do was to get this book out and done. That was a goal I set for myself way back at the end of last year, and it's exciting to see that done. So that's what I wanted to do. I did not want to these uh, these episodes of the Jaws Obsession. They take anywhere from six to ten hours to produce, from the preparation of notes to the recording and then the editing and then the graphics so what i did not want to do was do an episode while i had books to ship and that would have made uh, it just would have not been uh, in my mind it would have uh, there was an order to this all and and i'm glad it, it all worked out because now i have uh, the pressure is off so now i can relax and and come back to talk about jaws for this episode 49 i got no spit and why are we saying that well we're talking about this scene right here I got no spit. I got no spit. Hooper's and he's half submerged in the cage and he's looking up and he says, I got no spit. Why was Hooper trying to spit in his dive mask? But also, what is the physiological reason why he had no spit at that very exact moment? There is a reason for that. And then, did this one line lead to the greatest edit in the movie by Oscar winner Verna Fields? I believe it did, and we're going to get to all of that on the back half of this episode because we also have, we have emails to get to from the listeners and now the readers of the Book of Quint as people are starting to receive their books in the mail. I have had a wave of emails come in, and I want to get to all of that because there's a lot of great topics that are brought up in that as well. And then we have our first full book review of the Book of Quint which I'm going to read here in full. I'm not going to edit any parts out. It's a spoiler-free review, so feel free to keep listening. We also have an article in the New York Post about Steven Spielberg and his apology to the shark population for the feeding frenzy after Jaws. So we have that article that I would like to address as well because that pertains to what we are trying to do here with the Book of Quint, the prequel to Jaws. So we are full, we are jam-packed here. On episode 49, this is going to be a little bit longer of an episode because there's been quite a delay. So this probably this episode might work for as two episodes jammed into one. Yeah, let's do the emails first. Let we'll go to the emails first. As you know, I packed every book myself. My whole basement was shipping material boxes and uh, shipping manifests. I had the list of backers, and remember, we had um, there was two tiers that when the backers jumped on to the Indiegogo campaign one was just the book and then there was a one with a little bit higher price range and that was a limited autograph copy of the book with a sticker set what I did was for those books I took the first three boxes that came their boxes came to me numbered one of 19 two of 19 three so those were the boxes as they were packed as the books came off the line down at lightning press in New Jersey the first 50 books I was able to narrow down to these were the first 50 books made so what I did was I signed those and numbered them each one of 50 two of 50 and so on for the backers that uh, sponsored that higher tier in order I sent out one two three so whoever came in first got number one and whoever came in second they received number two number one number one of 50 was this was our first backer to the campaign and he and he was back way when we launched so he's been waiting over 7 months so Ryan wrote in he said the book of quint has arrived here on cape cod as they say, don't judge a book by its cover, but there's an exception for everything. This looks amazing. Thank you for all the hard work and dedication with this. Now, seven, month, now, seven months of anticipation is killing me. So I'm going to post up in my Rockaway and get to work on reading. Thanks again and best wishes. Ryan. So book number one off the line went to Ryan in Cape Cod, Massachusetts. Isn't that interesting how everything comes full circle? As I described in previous episodes, the inspiration for The Book of Quint was born at the Wellfleet Drive-In Cinemas at a screening of Jaws back in June of 2020. And here at random selection, here is Ryan was the first to jump on the campaign, got number one of 50 in the autograph set, and he is on Cape Cod. I love little tie-ins like that. That's that's wonderful. And those are little signs that we are on the right track here. That there is something special going on, and this is not manufactured like the Jaws timing episode that we did back on episode forty-five. We described how the movie kind of make made itself with the problems that were happening, and then that that the movie came out better in the long run. Now what's happened was the same thing happened with the process to the uh, research and to the writing of the Book of Quint. The setbacks and all the little hurdles it made the results far better than I ever imagined. So these are all little signs that we are on the right track here. So thank you very much, Ryan, for writing in. He sent a great photo with his Book of Quint that was propped up on the fighting chair. He actually has a Rockaway fighting chair in his house and it's uh, with the white cushion and it's glorious. He and he put the uh, he he put the quint beer can there. There was a great photo there. So we might as well make this announcement now. Because the readers to the book of Quint started sending in photos of their book, I decided to start an Instagram page for the Book of Quint. So if everyone goes to Instagram at Book of Quint, it's at Instagram.com or you go to your Instagram app just at Book of Quint. I will be putting the link for in the description of this broadcast on whatever platform you are listening on. So you just go right below and click on that Instagram link. You're going to go right to the Book of Quint page over on Instagram, and you're going to see all the photos of people that are sending in from all over the world. And thank you very much, Ryan, for that great photo of the Book of Quint in an actual Rockaway fighting chair. Wonderful to see. Also, we had Alex from Spain writes in, Thank you so much for your work and enthusiasm on the Book of Quint. I can't wait to receive it. I hope there will be an audiobook version so I can listen to it at work. Yes, we hope so too, and there's more on that should be following in 2023. Congratulations for the podcast as well. I hardly listen to music anymore. I only listen to the Jaws obsession and Switched On Jaws. Oh, so, so Alex likes the Switched On Jaws, the little EP that I produced way early on at the and um, in, back in 2021 for all the music with Carl Casey. He composed all the music that you might hear on the this broadcast, and we actually had an episode. And if you go to our YouTube page, uh, Jaws Obsession over at YouTube.com, you can uh, scroll through. I actually have the full EP on there, so you can listen to that anytime. You can listen to the full five tracks on the Switched On Jaws music by Carl Casey. So Alex likes that from Spain. Alex continues, I have been since the beginning listening to this podcast, looking forward for every week's episode. I've heard you and John's voices so much. It's like I have known you all my life. Uh, Best regards, Ryan. That's Alex in Spain. And Alex should have gotten his book by now. I've been following the tracking, and so the tracking is really tough um, once it leaves the United States, it's it's spotty on the updates. So I would like to assume that Alex has received his book already. Last I saw, it was in Madrid, Spain. It, it was in transit to its destination uh, in Madrid, Spain. So that book of Quint has landed, and hopefully uh, Alex has received that. But thank you very much for writing in, Alex. Great email. Next email. Let's see here. We have, let's see, John from Texas writes in, Ryan. Words cannot describe how humble and excited I am to read your book. This truly is a labor of love, and what you have given us fans is a new chapter in Jaws history and expansion on the Jaws universe. I wanted to let you know that book number two of 50 made it safely to Texas. I cannot wait to hear what you have for us next on the podcast. I'll be listening on Audible as always. Thank you so much for your dedication. The community is lucky to have a fan and author like you among us. Semper Fidelis. John. Well, that's awfully nice, John. Thank you so much for that. And he has a little postscript here. P.S. Since you packed the book with scrap pages 20 to 27, does that mean if the other backers and I get together with the remaining scrap pages, does it unlock a portal? <laughs> uh, that's, that's great. And you know what? I wish I had a little bit more of uh, That would be really cool if, if I had the time to uh, think of something like that. But what I cannot confirm or deny... I did use an older version of the Book of Quint. I had it printed out single-sided, and uh, these scrap pages, and I used them as um, stuffing to, make to, to, the whole, to secure the book inside the mailer so it did not roll around. I made sure that the books were bubble-wrapped. It, it goes into its own cellophane sleeve, then it's bubble-wrapped, and then it had the packaging to make sure it doesn't shift inside the cardboard mailer because... I wanted to make sure that these uh, books got to where they were going safe. What John says about the scrap pages, and then everybody else had various scrap pages that I pulled from, but I can neither confirm or deny that some of the material that will be different from the final version of the book that you're reading you'll see that there there is deleted material that I took out because in many parts, I really do believe less is more. And also there's some details in there that may or may not lead to possible sequels later on. But we don't wanna get into that. We don't wanna get into that just yet because we're celebrating the Book of Quint. But there is more out there. What I've no, What I've discovered is once you open the door to writing and you go into a certain world, the door really never closes. And you're always getting more ideas, and there's always more thoughts coming in. Wouldn't that be exciting to see if we could do some more in the future? That would be really cool. But I, and there are a lot of characters in the Jaws universe. Trust me, from the movie Jaws, there's a lot of characters. So thanks, John, for writing in. Wonderful, wonderful comment. And he was able to notice the uh, packing material of, uh, of pages from older versions of the Book of Quint. It was so exciting. With every book that I packed, I would have to imagine uh, my kids are still young enough, but I imagine it's like it, it would be as if you're sending a child off to school or you're putting them on to the bus to leave for uh, military like my parents did. Dropped me off at the airport because I was going to boot camp. So I had this book, and you're you you know you're, you're dressing it up and you package it up and you send it off and you wish it the best and you hope that it does its job and that you've you've prepped it and you've worked on it and you've and you've uh, and you've made it the best possible condition to go out and face the world. And it was it's very interesting to see them land and then get the feedback as people hold the book as they come back. It's very great to see readers' reactions as they receive the book and the excitement because the presentation is what it's all about, and that's what people are starting to get, that this story deserves a proper presentation with hardcover because it is a character that we have all grown up with, Quint. Wonderful to see. So thank you very much, John. Semper Fi. Okay, so Stephen writes in from the UK. Hi, Ryan. Thanks so much for the tracking update. Really looking forward to receiving the book and can't wait to read it. I'm a huge Jaws fan and discovered your podcast after about 10 episodes or so. I've listened to every one of them since, and your attention to detail and digging deep into the minutia of the film is most impressive. I've lived by the sea all my life and come from a line of fishermen and lifeboat men. Both my great-great-granddads were local lifeboat men. In fact, there is a statue on the seafront at St. Anne's of a lifeboat man and my great-great-granddad was the model for the sculpture. The statue commemorates the death of 13 lifeboat men who were lost in the attempt to rescue the crew of the German ship Mexico that had been driven onto a sandbank in a gale back in December 1886. Thank you very much, Steve, for writing in, and he sent a photo of this statue. And yes, the the sea, there is a theme to the Book of Quint. There are many themes in the Book of Quint. But one of the themes is loss of life at sea and those who stay living and deal with that loss. It's an overall theme of the book. There's so many people that live on coastlines around the entire world. As Steve said, that he has generational lifeboat men in his family. He knows about the loss of life and the and the, the rescue attempts that happen in heavy seas, Boats that were broken up on shore, the, the tragedy that goes along with it. For thousands of years, every day that someone takes to the sea, they, they're, take, they're putting their life at risk because the sea is very, very powerful. So with Steve living by the sea all his life and coming from a long line of fishermen and lifeboat men, I think the book of Quint is going to speak to you, Steve, like not many other books will, because it, it really does tackle those subjects in a responsible way. And I'm happy to see that. So I look forward, Steve, to your review. Make sure you email me back once you read the book and let me know what you think. Then we have Robin writes in, "Uh, the book arrived today and I am so excited. What an incredible early Christmas gift. It looks absolutely beautiful. Just holding it feels special and magical. I can't wait to read it and I'm going to have a very hard time concentrating on anything else until I finish it. The photo attached is of the book in its new home in Watertown, Massachusetts. Thank you so much and happy holidays to you. All the best, Robin. Thank you, Robin, for writing in. And that's a wonderful photo of the Christmas tree with the um, uh, the uh, Amity Island postcard there. You have the Book of Quint. You have the sticker of Quint, of a young Quint there. That's wonderful. And we put that also up on the, in, uh, on the Instagram page as well. If everyone goes over to Book of Quint over at Instagram, you'll see all these photos that people are sending in. Wonderful to see. I'm going to switch back to Great Britain, back to England. We have, uh, hi, Ryan. Just to let you know, the book arrived safe and sound in cold, wet UK. But unfortunately, my wife intercepted the delivery, and now it's been wrapped and sent to the Father Christmas. I now have to wait for Christmas morning to start reading. I have not been this excited for Christmas Day since I was six years old. Sean. Thank you, Sean, for writing in. I got a good laugh from that. If the book can make him feel like it's like he's six years old, that's wonderful because that's what Jaws does to us. And that's what the Book of Quint should do as well. It should just bring out the child in us and the excitement that he what he's going to find out inside. I can't wait. I can't wait to hear back from you, Sean, after Christmas. Let's get that photo up there too. If you send in a photo, we're gonna get that up on take a picture of the book wrapped up under the Christmas tree and we'll we'll put that up on the Instagram. Wonderful to see, see that. So now we have uh, the anticipation of Christmas. Christmas morning is coming back. This this is making my day. This is really this, see. It's all worth it. This is all worth it. We have a few more emails here. Let's let's stick with the emails. We're having fun. We're having fun. We have uh, Mr. Daco. Thank you so much for your labor of love in writing this book for all us Jaws fans. I can hardly wait to begin this amazing journey with Quint. From a huge Jaws fan in the heart of Texas, much gratitude. Thank you, Kevin, from Mineral Wells, Texas. Thank you, Kevin. See, that's wonderful. Wonderful to see that. uh, Look at what we're doing here. We're going from England to Massachusetts, back to England, over to Texas. We are global. We are around the world because Jaws is the greatest movie of all time. It spans borders. It spans generational boundaries. And now what we're doing is we're adding to that universe. This is wonderful. This is a very exciting time. I look forward if, if the book if just looking at the book makes people this excited, wait till they read it. That's a, that's what I that's what I say. Wait till you see what's inside it because what emerged for the Jaws universe it completely took me by surprise as well. In the middle of uh, prepping the notes the show notes for this episode, I had an email from Dan and Dan wrote in. I'll try to put something a little more creative together for you, but here's a shot from my living room in Potoski, Michigan. The new book is in good company. Merry Christmas, Dan. And Dan included a photo of three Peter Benchley hardcover novels, The Deep, White Shark, and Jaws, all first pressing of those hardcover novels, and with the Book of Quint right in the middle. I was blown away by that. That's a great honor to actually have the book of Quint right inside there with those three novels. And he's right. The book is in good company and it looks great. And there we are. And it's just, that was, um, that was quite a moment for me. Thank you, Dan. That was a very, that was an early Christmas present for me as well, because uh, to see the Jaws fans accept the book of Quint into the family, it's a great honor. And what I Stressed in, I put that photo up on the Instagram page for the book of Quint. But what I also stressed was this the weight of what we were dealing with here. I never took that lightly through this whole process. I wanted to make sure that the research phase took over a year to do on this book. And I wanted to make sure that I was mentally ready to start writing. That I never, there was never any aspect that I took lightly from working with John Tedder as the technical advisor on the book. I made sure that every detail in there was as accurate as it could be because I knew that we, the way, that what we're dealing with, we're, we are on the 50-year anniversary of the Peter Benchley timeline. He was writing the manuscript to Jaws at this time half a century ago. He would be done by January of 73. He would turn it into the publisher, and the publisher would eventually publish the book in 70, early 74. So we are on the Peter Benchley timeline with this prequel to Jaws the book of Quint, the weight of this was um, always there. And I never ignored it, and I respected that. And that's what, when I saw the photo sent by Dan uh, from Petoskey, Michigan, it uh, it reminded me of that sometimes it's when I'm on the ground level here, and I'm packing boxes and all that, and after the whole last two, three months of the mechanical work and the formatting, that's the mechanical side of writing, the stress from other aspects in life as well, adding on. It's nice to be brought back full circle and realize exactly what we're trying to do here at the Jaws Obsession. To see the Book of Quint with those other books was uh, awe-inspiring. Thank you very much, Dan, for writing in. That That was a great email. Thank you. Then we had my buddy Ed, Edward from California. Edward writes in, he said, Ryan, I can't tell you how excited I am To finally be able to hold this book, number six of 50, in my hand, I can't wait to start reading it so I can be transported back in time to reacquaint myself with some old friends and possibly meet some new ones. This book is like home cooking to me. I know it's going to be good before I even get into it, because it was born from love and respect of what came before it. I know it's going to be a book I won't put down till I'm done. I thought you might enjoy these pictures of good old Mare Island in the background, there with your book which along with the indianapolis being here i like to think started it all in its own unique jaws way if you ever need anything from out here in the bay area just know you have a friend in me your pal edward p.s i think i can see Quint's little shop from here now what edward did was he actually went out with his book of quint he went out to mare island shipyard now mare island is the naval shipyard that were the that the Indianapolis was docked in for repairs and before it left on its secret mission to go pick up the parts for the atom bomb the Hiroshima bomb and then take it across the Pacific. So he and so in the book of Quint, Mare Island is mentioned quite a few times. In fact, Quint actually works there after he comes back, after he survives the tragedy of the Indianapolis. Quint gets a job working out of Mare Island Shipyard. So what Edward did was he took his book of Quint. He went to the waterfront facing Mare Island, waited for sunset. He took a magnificent photo of his book of Quint with Mare Island in the background. Wonderful to see. That photo can now be seen on our Instagram page. And that's that's one of the early photos that I received that inspired me to do this Instagram page because we have not really had a social media presence this whole time of The Jaws Obsession. It took us 49 episodes because there was a lot of other things going on. And I know that social media takes a lot of time out of you. It, it, it can be a distraction and it can take time out of your day, of which I didn't have much. So now I, was, I said, no, this has to be done. So we have to give a platform so fans of the book now can actually show their passion for this book. And what Edward did was he went out there and he did and he did a uh, like a scene from Network. I don't know if everyone remembers that scene from Network, the movie from the seventies. I I always thought it was Albert Finney, but it isn't. It's Peter Finch who plays Howard Beale. Um, Howard Beale has that um, moment where he's on live TV and he says uh, for everyone to go to the window. Let's just play it. Let's play that scene from Network. I want you to get up now. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. I want you to get up right now. Get up, go to your windows, open them, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Things have got to change. Yeah, that's Howard Beale from Network. When he says to everybody, stand up and go to the window and scream out there, because what we're doing here, this is not this is not just a book. This is a movement. This was fans coming together to make something possible, where we have been denied a Jaws universe, an expanded Jaws universe for so long that the studio system dropped the ball with the Jaws franchise, that the studio system made... Jaws into a monster shark franchise, of which it was never that. It was a human movie with a monster shark in it. And what we are doing is we are reclaiming the franchise with the book of Quint. And as Howard Beale said, stand up and go to the window, Edward took his book and he went out to the waterfront and he held that book out. It's, it, that reminded me of that scene in Network when I saw that photo that Edward sent in. So that's why the Instagram page is what I was talking about. This book of Quint will go as far as the fans allow it to go. Now, if the fans who have the book of Quint right now, if you're hearing my voice, if you stand up and you go to the window, or if you stand up and you just hold that book out in front of you, take a photo of it, send it to me. You can email me at jawsob2025 at gmail.com, or you can message me that photo. You can post it yourself, and you can mention Book of Quint, at Book of Quint on that post. I'll see it, and I will add that. We're all going to stand together here, raising our Books of Quint and showing the studio system, showing the world, showing the publishers, the publishing world out there. This book needs to be shared around the world, and I saw that as very special. When I saw that photo from Edward, I said, that's it. That's the Howard Beale uh, moment that the Book of Quint needs, and we're gonna make that happen. And that's what we're doing. We're holding this this book to the world, and we're saying Jaws is the greatest movie of all time, and it deserves a quality prequel. And it does not need to be exploited. There doesn't need to be a reissue, or it, it does not need to be enhanced. It does not need to be remade or rebooted, it can be cherished, celebrated with a proper prequel. And that's what's going on. And if the fans decide to accept the book of Quint, which these Jaws fans are all doing, and they're taking photos of their books underneath the Christmas tree, they're taking their photos of their books with their favorite pet, with their dogs, with their cat, the book of Quint is becoming a part of their lives. Wonderful to see. And that's why that Instagram page is going to be so very important going forward. If everyone goes down below to the description of this broadcast, whatever platform you're listening on, just click on that link, and you'll see you take that bird's eye view. You you go way up in the air and you look at it all together. You can actually see the power of what's happening here. It's exciting to see. And, Edward, thank you very much for that contribution. So there we go. We had our Howard Beale moment. And we're going to have a lot of more. We're going to have so many more moments. I think there's going to be so many more people writing in. I mean, we've come this far. We have still more of that mountain to climb. So the next one is the literary agencies. I will have to be approaching uh, literary agents, uh, querying them, and hopefully uh, getting them to uh, read the book decide if they want to represent that book if we get someone to represent it and take this book further that's that's all the emails right there we're, we're getting more emails in i'm sure there will be more i will definitely be reading as many emails as come in that come in thank you very much for everyone if i didn't get to your email hopefully i will get it get to it in the next episode um before we get to the book review Let's go to the Spielberg article from the New York Post. Now remember, we do have a Telegram channel at Jaws OB over at Telegram where I will put all the links for articles that I am referencing onto the Telegram page so you can go read these articles in full. But uh, December 17th, 2022, New York Post article, Steven Spielberg apologizes to shark population for feeding frenzy after Jaws. By Matthew Sadaka. Okay, Steven Spielberg admitted he regrets the bloody impact his 1975 blockbuster Jaws had on the shark population, that is. I truly and to this day regret the decimation of the shark population because of the book and the film. I really truly regret that, Spielberg75 said during an interview with Lauren Laverne on the BBC's Desert Island Disc. Laverne asked the director how it felt to be stuck on an island surrounded by sharks, prompting the three-time Oscar-winning director to respond, quote, That's one of the things I still fear. Uh, Not to get eaten by a shark, he clarified, but that sharks are somehow mad at me for the feeding frenzy of crazy sport fishermen that happened after 1975. The Oscar winning thriller, based on the best selling novel of the same name by Peter Benchley, tells the story of a man eating great white shark that was uh, devouring residents of the fictional Amity Island in New England. Uh, Benchley had previously shared his regrets over writing the novel, which sold an estimated 20 million copies, according to The Independent. And Benchley is quoted as saying, What I now know, which wasn't known when I wrote Jaws, is that there is no such thing as a rogue shark which develops a taste for human flesh, the author told the Animal Attacks Files in 2000. No one appreciates how vulnerable they are to destruction, end quote. So we have an article here. Mr. Steven Spielberg, he really, truly regrets uh, what happened to the shark population after the book and the film, as we all do. Now, there's a couple of things here is that what we're trying to do here with the Book of Quint is we are on a redemption arc for the movie and characters of Jaws in that this might be the first book that was ever written that studies there's been many books and documentaries studying and talking about the behavior of sharks okay the behavior of sharks and how the behavior and how the the sharks act towards humans we know more about sharks today than ever before in that we we know that they're they're not the mindless killing machines that Uh, humanity thought they were in years past. And and Steven Spielberg feels responsible with Jaws and the novel Jaws. But if you look at how Hollywood has portrayed sharks for uh, 50, 60 years before Jaws, sharks were always treated unfairly. The movie Tiger Shark from 1932 with Edward G. Robinson, he's a tuna fisherman, but if you see how the sharks are treated in that, they're much worse than Jaws. And dare I say that nothing has really changed if you look back from the 1932 film Tiger Shark with Edward G. Robinson all the way up to today with uh, the Meg films, uh, giant dinosaur sharks scooping up a mouthful of swimmers, or you have um, the, the, uh, the maniacal psycho Great White Stalking, Blake Lively on Coral Reef in the Shallows. That Not much has changed. As as much as we have increased our understanding of sharks, uh, the cinema that we still consume treats sharks as uh, mindless killers. Dare I say that if the Book of Quint were to be made into a film prequel to the movie Jaws, it would be the most responsible portrayal of sharks ever committed to film. And what that would also do is that it would also add in the narrative of why the sharks are so aggressive off of Amity. And wouldn't that be an interesting full circle that the Jaws franchise would do is that it would end up being the uh, one to show the sharks uh and the human-shark relationship in a responsible way, um, giving context to everything, because we do know the sharks are seriously dangerous predator in feeding frenzy situations, as the tragedy of the Indianapolis shows, and that's given in great detail. Everything in the Book of Quint was researched. Everything that happens actually happened from, from eyewitness testimony. The sharks did behave in that way. So we are giving context to... The human shark relationship, the, the, the understanding between how we dealt with sharks in the past and how we are going to deal with sharks going into the future is that there's going to have to be explanations, logical explanations and why they behave that way. You also can go to James Bond movies like Thunderball where uh, he had the the pool and, um, you know, James Bond falls in there with, uh, with the bad guy and they close the hatch and then let the tiger sharks in the tiger sharks, you know, rip this guy to pieces. So sharks were always, and that was in the sixties. So sharks were always given a bad rap and Jaws was just the biggest movie to do it. Okay. Now, now that we're here and one of the biggest tightropes that I felt needed to be navigated with the book of Quint is how do we tell a prequel, but how, how also do we tell it responsibly and explain the shark behavior? But more importantly, what this book does is that it explains the shark and human relationship of the past. What I am trying to do is I'm trying to reach out to the scientific community and members of the shark science community. I have a few books set aside to send to other shark researchers and bring them on board so, that they will be so. What I'd like to do is get their opinion on how the sharks are handled in the book of Quint. I made sure that full chapters and passages within the book of Quint were dedicated to the shark behavior of what's going on from the shark point of view towards the humans, and the same is what's going on from the human point of view towards the sharks. What I was hoping that as the reader moves through the book, you actually learn about Quint more by learning about his relationship and the history he's had with sharks. So he is not just a cartoon character, a one-sided like a Captain Ahab that just, uh, just lives to kill sharks, lives to kill sharks. No, there's a reason why the sharks are particularly aggressive off of Amity Island. There's an organic reason. It's all in the book of Quint. And what I would hope, and I have one set aside, I have a book set aside for Mr. Steven Spielberg. Anytime that I get an address, a mailing address, if an assistant of his wants to write me here at jawsob2025 at gmail.com, a book will be overnighted because I would invite him to read this book and see that this is a redemption arc where we can actually learn about why did humans react to sharks like they did after Jaws because of the society the human and shark relationship that existed for hundreds of years before Jaws led up to that moment and what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to explain that so we can actually have this is almost a study in that relationship in the past and now how does that relationship change going forward how do humans and sharks how do they interact going forward and that's what's very special here. That's why we're doing great things with the book of Quint. And I just invite everyone to read the book and actually to experience what's inside there. And everyone will come away that the sharks are not mindless killing machines. There is a reason. And what that happens is that that paints a this reason that's established in the book of Quint. Now explains why the shark is so aggressive in Jaws and why the shark is so aggressive, and why another shark returns in Jaws 2. It's not happenstance. There is a reason for it, and I don't want to spoil the story for anyone. We're going to get to that probably after the book gets to a wide release, and everybody gets a chance to read it, and then we can talk about that more, because it's a very, very realistic and a very concrete reason what's going on off of the coast of Amity, That's not available in the other areas. And that's what's going to draw the large sharks in. That's what's going to make all the shark species off of Amity very aggressive. And that's what I think we're doing here is we're telling the story, the backstory to Quint in a responsible way. And we're also helping the sharks out at the same time to understand shark behavior, shark human relationship. But we're also raising money for shark research and conservation with 10% off the profits of the book going to shark research and conservation via beneath the waves uh Waves.org. this was one of the th- this was a this was a very i know i'm going long on this here but this is very important for me how this this how this book is perceived coming right out of the gate is that i stressed the importance of following this this was peter benchley's wishes to benchley ip llc to treat the sharks with respect and to uh, show that shark-human relationship in a respectful manner. And I believe we were able to do that and uh, when we got permission from Benchley IP LLC to publish the book, that was a, a very big, very big moment because I believe they saw what I was trying to do within the writing of the Book of Quint. I believe that if Mr. Spielberg were to read the Book of Quint, he actually can see this story is important because if this becomes part of that Jaws lore, now it explains the shark, the aggressive shark behavior a little bit better. Maybe doesn't explain, and it doesn't excuse it fully. It doesn't say that the shark is ultra realistic. It's just that these this is the Jaws universe, and these are Amity Island sharks, and they're different. they They act different because there is a reason why they are acting much more aggressive than the sharks that we know of today. And that's what's great about this, is that this is an ongoing uh, dialogue. And the Book of Quint is just that next step in advancing that dialogue. So that's why I would appeal to Mr. Spielberg to give the book a read and then see if you want to take that Jaws franchise to the next level, give the Sharks um, a fairer shake going into the next 50 years of the Jaws franchise after Jaws turns 50 in 2025. Very cool. Very cool stuff. I invite everyone. I can't wait for people to read the Book of Quint and see if they get that as well. We're having fun here. It doesn't matter. I'm not going to watch the clock anymore. I don't want to watch the clock anymore. I'm, I want to just, uh, let's get all this out, because I we, we were away. I think I was missing for about 10 or 11 days here. This has been the longest time in the last year that I've, uh, between episodes. So let's get to our first review. Let's get to the big review. The first ever review of the Book of Quint was sent from John from Utica. Now, recently... This uh, last week, I had a book meet and greet in Syracuse, New York. It was last minute. We threw it together at the last minute. It was at a little small coffee shop uh, called the Cracked Bean Roastery in East Syracuse. Uh, owner Michelle stayed open for us. Uh, she's a big fan of the book. She was, a, she, she was watching me come in and get coffee for the last two years while I was doing research and then of course the writing she's probably seen this from the ground on up from the ground up and we are always trying to be thrifty here at the jaws obsession so I noticed that the local buyers the local backers that could instead of mailing them out if I just made some place where they could all come to me and pick their book up that would be even better some people wanted to buy the book for a family member for a Christmas gift so it was important that we held it right away. So it was at the last minute and it was held um, back on the 13th of December last week. It was great to see the turnout, the people that showed up. We do have photos of it on Instagram, but um, John came in. He was a, John was a listener off the Jaws Obsession from the YouTube page. We do have listeners over on the YouTube page, even though this is just an audio podcast that people on YouTube tune in as well. He came in. And he picked up a few copies of the book for some friends for Christmas, but also one for himself. So John writes in on, uh, took him two days. He got through the whole book in two days and he wrote the first review that I ever received. And I'm going to read that in full right now. So here it is. I just finished. Man, what a ride. Firstly, I just have to say the book itself is beautiful. It feels so well made and I love the smoothness of the paper. Using the Navy photo sticker as a bookmark feels like it was just meant to be. Even the fonts are great. As for the story, what a great prologue. I expected some surprises, but that was a pleasant one right away. Part one was everything I hoped, long enough to give the story the respect it deserves. I like your writing style too. The sentences stay on point to convey the information well, with enough prettiness, in no way derogatory, to make it a really enjoyable read. Part two was just fantastic using Herschel, and of course I went straight to Google such a nod to the actor i'm sure he would have been pleased by the time i reached part three i felt full into Quint's obsessions and was happy to be brought back home with him such a great story i hope spielberg is able to give this a read through i knew you would be expanding the universe but vaughn's role and the weight of it was very surprising so all in all i say well done sir i wish you all the best with this i'm looking forward to hearing of the book's progress and I hope that I can one day show off my special edition of the book to new fans, and let's face it, hopefully fans of the movie. I couldn't wait to let you know what I thought of the book. It still has one fun gift left to give. I have to watch Jaws again while the book is so fresh. How about that? I have to watch Jaws again while the book is so fresh. One fun gift left to give. Great review, John. Thank you so much. Wow, that's that made... The week right there, what a week we're having is that that review is exactly the reaction that I was hoping to get from a Jaws fan. I did not know, John. He's not paid for this. <laughs> this was a- as raw as it could get. And the the and what now, after reading the book, he's gonna go re-watch Jaws and he's going to re-enjoy. He's going to now look for the new elements the new thematic elements that might play into the performances by Robert Shaw performances by Murray Hamilton and all the little nuances that might be there after reading the book of Quint wonderful to see because that's what we were trying to do we're trying to make we're we're trying to see if the world is the if the greatest movie of all time can become even greater by having a backstory remember the godfather 2 analogy the godfather 2 was the had parts of the prequel for The Godfather to give that context in there so the performances in The Godfather can now be increased and enhanced. That's what we're doing here. We're, get, we're doing The Godfather 2 treatment. We're doing a prequel for the movie Jaws so we can enhance those performances by providing context. And that was John from Utica, New York. Thank you, John, so much for the wonderful review. John also uh, talked about the uh, the book feels well made, and I love the smoothness of the paper. That was all by design. I have nothing but Debbie down at Lightning Press to thank for that. They did such a good job with the uh, cloth cover, the foil stamping, and then the weight of the paper. I specifically chose that uh, heavier-weighted paper, so this book feels like a solid historical piece of work. This can be passed down in your family for generations. I believed a, a timeless characters, a timeless character like Quint Needed a timeless treatment. I think that lightning press hit the ball right out of the park with that. That was amazing to see. So thank you so much, uh, John, for that first ever review, book review, for the Book of Quint, right there. And hopefully not the last. And going forward, we're going to try to keep everything spoiler-free for people that do not have access to the book yet. Don't worry. I'm going to make sure I screen all the reviews that I read on here to make sure that I there's not that too many spoilers do not uh, get out there because that's part of the fun of reading a book. You don't know what's coming up. So not to worry if I do read, read a review on here, I think it won't be too bad of a spoiler. Now that we've tackled all that, let's get to the topic that we have all come to talk about, which is I got no spit. Does he say I got no spit or ain't got no spit? Let's see if we can, uh, spit I always study I got no spit. Let's hear it again. I got no spit. Now, the subtitles on the DVD or Blu-ray says ain't got no spit. I object to this. I think it's, I got no spit. What do you, what does the Jaws obsession think? Email me in and let me know. What do you think? Is it, I got no spit or ain't got no spit? I like to think is, I got no spit. Um, Hooper is a little bit more refined in his words. Uh, He's obviously well-educated and he uh, well-read. So I don't see him using the word ain't here. It sounds like he says, I got no spit. So what do you think? Either way, I'm going to stick with I got no spit. Either way, I don't think it's proper use of the language. But that's beside the point. Why was Hooper trying to spit in his dive mask? For that, let's look at that. So as any one of us has learned, when the first thing that you learn when you're doing your dive training, I think I got I got certif- open water certified back in 1992. And um, my instructor, uh, Dr. Jerry Hallenbeck, master diver, and he was the uh, dive instructor on the set of The Deep. He taught Robert Shaw, Nick Nolte, and Jacqueline Bisset how to dive, uh, scuba dive. He was in charge of their safety. And uh, he had many uh, interesting stories about the set of The Deep, which was very interesting. So that's my little personal tie-in with not just uh, uh, Robert Shaw, but also a Peter Benchley, a mo- uh, book, Peter Benchley book made into another movie. So, um, but Dr. Jerry Hollenbeck was the first to show me spit in your dive mask, and because you keep it from fogging up. But why do divers spit in their masks? Let's look to divinglore.com. This article by Martin McQuillan. I'm going to put this up on our show notes as well. And you can look at to the link in our description of this broadcast. You can go to that show notes. And you can read this article in full. But I'm just going to skip around here. But um, when warm air inside a dive mask meets the cold glass of lenses, of the lenses, tiny water droplets condense on the glass and make the mask foggy. Saliva changes the surface tension of the water droplets, which causes them to join into larger drops, drops that roll off the glass, preventing condensation. That's what a lot of the divers, that's pretty much what everyone did. You spit in your mask, you rub it around, you get a nice layer of saliva on that. So just like glasses, windshields, and cold drinks, scuba masks fog up with condensation. Uh, This happens when the temperature inside is higher than the temperature of the glass lenses. So, um, and then the droplets of moisture condense on the cold glass. So um, why does condensation occur? Because the glass isn't as smooth as it looks. If you looked under a microscope, you would see all sorts of pits and grooves. These little pockets hold on to the tiny water droplets creating fog. And of course, you can't see Uh, when you have a foggy mask. So how does spit work in defogging a scuba mask? Well, spit, saliva, keeps a mask from fogging up because it contains proteins that act as a surfactant. A surfactant is a chemical agent that reduces the surface tension of a liquid, which makes the liquid spread more easily. So with a surfactant on the glass, when this happens, droplets won't fit into those little tiny grooves in the glass and will just roll right off in large drops. In other words, water droplets won't seem to stick to the glass glass as much um, because now your saliva act, acts as a surfactant. There are other things. There's baby shampoo. There's other surfactants that you can use, baby shampoo, defogging sprays. But the free and natural one is the saliva in your mouth. So that becomes a norm is to just... Uh, rub a layer of saliva on the inside of your mask and before you dive. And that's what Hooper was trying to do here. So Hooper's in the cage and he gets handed his dive mask and Martin Brody asks for his glasses and then you can hear him and he says, I got no spit. Now we know why he was trying to spit in his mask. And any diver that's been underwater, when you get a foggy mask, it's super annoying. I remember, did anyone else, had, when you get that little bit of water rolling in, you start moving your head left and right, and you're trying to make the condensation go away with that little puddle of water that's in your dive mask, or you can, or you can let in more water than try to clear your mask. We must look so silly to uh, the animals of the sea and uh, doing funny things, dive, you know, I must have looked like uh, ridiculous as you're, dri- you're diving and I'm shaking my head left and right trying to slosh that water around to wipe off the condensation. But those are just some of the things that go along with scuba diving. And obviously, Matt Hooper, being an experienced scuba diver, knows that that's what he's got to do. So he's going through his pre-dive routine and he's going to spit in his mask. So now we know why he was trying to spit in his mask. But now, what is the physiological reason why he had no spit? Now, this was very interesting because I feel that I learned this in the last two, three months of uh, working on the book, that the fact is, is that stress and adrenaline will decrease the amount of saliva in your mouth. I have a couple articles here that I am not going to read fully. These are some, uh, there's one from um, pubmed.gov, National Library of Medicine, And then I have another, uh, I have one more from hss.edu, How the Parasympathetic Nervous System Can Lower Stress. If I look at the uh, stress and salivary glands, this is a peer-reviewed article from, uh, what's the date on this? This would be from October 30th, 2017, Stress and Salivary Glands on the Abstract, If you go in there, we're going to read here. This says, The salivary glands function under strict control of the autonomic nervous system. Salivary, electrolyte, and fluid secretion are primarily controlled by the parasympathetic activity, while protein secretion is primarily triggered by the sympathetic stimulation. Stress activates the hypothalamic-pituitary-adrenal axis. The peripheral limb of the axis is the efferent-sympathetic system. Stress reaction, even if it is sustained for lung, does not cause obvious damage to the salivary glands. However, stress induces dramatic changes in the constituents of secreted saliva. So, what we're learning here now is we are learning from this peer-reviewed medical article is that salivary electrolyte and fluid secretion, so fluid secretion are primarily controlled by the parasympathetic activity. Now, let's go over to this article and see what is the parasympathetic nervous system. What exactly is that? And then we go down. We say the, uh, the parasympathetic nervous system is part of the body's autonomic nervous system. Its partner is the sympathetic nervous system, which controls the body's fight or flight response. So the parasympathetic nervous system controls the body's ability to relax. It's sometimes called the, quote, rest and digest state. It helps maintain daily functions like your resting heart rate, which is your heart rate while your body is at rest. It controls also your metabolism and your resting bronchial constriction, which affects your breathing rate. It essentially keeps you in a relaxed state. Okay, so the amount of secreted saliva in your mouth is controlled by the parasympathetic nervous system. What was happening with Hooper as Hooper is in a fight-or-flight response. So his nervous system now is switching over to the sympathetic nervous system. So now that's taking over his body. His breathing is accelerated, his heart rate is accelerated, and the secretion of salivary glands and digestive system slows or stops. So what the body does is that it focuses all that energy into fight-or-flight. So he, he, so he is totally on edge here because he's in half submerged in the cage and he knows that he's about to go down there with this marauding great white shark that has terror that has terrorized them and is obviously a lot stronger than they all thought so he knows what's going to happen he knows the danger he's in and his body has now switched fully over to the fight or flight state that it has shut down the shut down the salivary glands in his mouth Giving him a drier mouth, so that's why he says I got no spit. I think I drew closer to this line in the last two to three months, as the um, the uh, coming down to the wire, trying to get the book finished, uh, but but also there was other elements of my uh, of life that were getting in the way. So the stress and the um, the stress and pressure elevated, like never before. And what I've noticed is that, and especially now that I was doing a podcast, I was actually doing shows. I was noticing my mouth was getting a lot drier. I was drinking a lot more water, and uh, trying to get through these broadcasts. And I realized that wow, that's that's what's happening here. I am now in this uh, living in this perpetual uh, fight or flight state. And uh, it's not just the book, I don't want to blame the book, but I did lose 20 pounds through all of this. And what's happening now is that I can see now exactly, uh, we do not deal, as, as humans, we like our lives safe and comfortable. We like our routines, and we don't like to have, the, uh, have our lives thrown up in uh, many directions and worried about many different things. So we are not used to living on this edge. And what that made me appreciate is not only this line from Jaws, which is I got no spit, and I know what Matt Hooper's going through, but what also is is that the men and women that live inside this boundary, this this edge where you are working in a dangerous situation or you uh, have to go, uh, you are in a war setting or you are um, you, you are constantly putting it all on the line every day, that they actually live with some of these symptoms and the more they get used to that situation, the adre- the adrenaline that is being secreted by their body eventually is consumed and it, en- it eventually becomes normal so they stop with the adrenaline. It's the same thing if I'm working on uh, power lines where maybe someone who's not used to that would be more nervous or they would be in their fight-or-flight state working in a dangerous uh, environment. But if you know the rules and you respect the electricity, you actually can, uh, it's, the same, it's the same with uh, the, the, the shark scientist that's out there that's diving with sharks. Maybe to some of us who are not used to that, we would have a uh, no spit. They're just able to jump right in and they'll be just fine. So I found that fascinating. The more I learned of this process with analyzing the, this JAWS line, it all made sense over the last two, three months with with what has transpired with the Book of Quint and with the Jaws obsession here. So I think this is really, really interesting stuff that I was able to uh, relate to Mr. Hooper a little bit. That um, when you don't have any spit and when you're in that fight or flight response and that parasympathetic nervous system is, uh, is slowing down, because all your energy is directed to brain power and getting work done or getting past that deadline uh, you don't you can't eat. Remember if any of us have been in stressful situations or um, where you, you really do, you, you're not hungry because that system set shifts down a gear and the other the sympathetic nervous system steps up and that's what's going on through Hooper's body inside the cage right now, which is very which is very interesting. there's a very realistic line I don't know who put that line in. I don't know if it was ad libbed, uh, because it's not in the screenplay. So someone was there, and it's possible that maybe Hooper was, maybe Richard Dreyfus himself was nervous. If that's one of the things I would ask him if I ever were to interview Mr. Dreyfus, is who came up with that line, because it's ultra realistic for Hooper to be in that state um, where he has no spit, and maybe we could get an answer from Mr. Dreyfus. Eventually, in the future. So one of the things that happened with this line, what I believe is, and I'm gonna go back, let's let's replay this line. What I believe is uh, is 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 just amazing here. I got no spit. So there it is. right after that line, I got no spit. at one hour, 52 minutes and 19 seconds, you have maybe 10 to 12 frames of Robert Shaw of Quint looking down into the cage. Now Hooper looks up at the both of them. Now before this, you had a wide shot of Brody and Brody's on the right and Quint is on the left and they're looking down. Brody's handing the um he's handing the shark dart weapon down to uh with uh, with a strychnine with the strychnine loaded weapon down into the cage and then you have Hooper looks up at both of them. Okay. But then you have this edit. It's about 12 frames and it goes just to Quint. And Quint is looking down at Matt Hooper. Right after he says, I got no spit. This might be the best. If I was going to do a top five edits by Verna Fields in Jaws, this is number one. To me, this is number one. This ties everything together that I uh, dove into with the book of Quint in that Quint is now looking at Matt Hooper, who we've established is 28 years old. He's the same age as Quint was during the sinking of the Indianapolis. So he's looking at a 28-year-old man who's obviously scared, who's down in the water, half, he's submerged, he's half submerged, looking up from the water, and he says, I got no spit. So now Quint actually remembers, he's actually remembering. Look at the, the, the look on Robert Shaw's face says a million words right here because he's remembering what it was like to be without water for five days, to be on that parasympathetic nervous system, shut down the sympathetic nervous, the fight or flight for five days where you have no saliva. Not only are you dying of thirst, but these survivors had no saliva. They were on the fight or flight mechanism the entire five days. Your adrenaline is spiked. Your body is trying to shut down. And he is recalling all of that in 12 frames of 30 of beautiful 35 millimeter film. This was all Verna Fields feeling the scene right now. She could have easily cut back to that wide shot of Brody and Quint looking down as Matt Hooper says, I got no spit, but she does not. She focuses on Quint. Now, if we don't have the backstory to Quint. If we, if we don't actually see exactly what Quint has gone through his entire life since 19, since, since 1945, all the way up to now, 1974, because this is in the summer of 1974 in the Jaws universe. If we don't know all those experiences, we can't understand these 12 frames that Verna Fields uses to cut over from Hooper looking up and saying, I got no spit. This is At it is unbelievable that she, at that time, had the wherewithal to throw this in there, not to go back to a double wide shot, just to punch into Quint and then then cut back to uh, uh, Hooper finding some saliva and rubbing it inside his mask. So she could have left that whole frame of Hooper saying, I got no spit, then looking down. Instead, she uses that jump cut to Quint, and it speaks a million words right there. It ties everything together. And that is a, a special moment. moment. We're going to have to do a Verna Fields episode eventually, where I will get to more of her editing genius. Remember, she won an Oscar for the editing of Jaws, and rightfully so, because and richly deserved by her too, because... The, the decision that she made in some of these shots make the movie the classic that we know it to be. And um, we owe a lot to not just director Spielberg, but to editor Verna Fields. And this is one of those moments. So the I got no spit line, uh, there's a lot more going on here than we might realize. But now that we've gone in through the details, I hope you can all watch that and appreciate a little bit more. And after you finish the book of Quint, when you rewatch Jaws, watch the I Got No Spit line again. And look at that look on Quint's face. Wonderful. Wonderful acting by Robert Shaw. Wonderful acting by Richard Dreyfus. The editing, the cinema, the score by John Williams. It's the greatest movie of all time, folks. And we're just proving that once again. Thank you very much. Episode 49. I ain't Got No Spit. Show me the way to go home I'm tired I want to go to bed I okay, had a little a bit of another of the way that's gotten right to my head Wherever I, I may roam By land or sea or home Okay, remember also over at Etsy.com over at Quint Shark and Shack John Tedder still has the Jaws OB discount code for off your order just type in JAWS OB at checkout you can look at the information in the link as well we'll provide that in the description of this broadcast Uh, special thanks to Crack Bean Coffee Roastery in East Syracuse for letting us do the Book of Quint meet-and-greet earlier last week that was a great time thank you very much Michelle Also, everybody remember to go over to Instagram.com at Book of Quint and check out all the photos that the readers of the Book of Quint are sending in. And I'm sure there's going to be more coming in as as books land throughout Europe and everywhere. The movie Jaws is copyrighted property of Universal Studios. Any references and sampling from the movie Jaws in this episode is intended to fall within Section 107 of the Copyright Act. The copyrighted materials are fairly used for the purposes of criticism, comment, reporting, teaching, and research. The materials used here are protected by the Fair Use Guidelines of Section 107 of the Copyright Act, all rights reserved to the copyright owners. Thank you very much, everyone, for Episode 49. Have a Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, and uh, we'll be seeing you next week with another episode. great to see the Book of Quint getting into backers' hands and readers, and we look forward to more reviews. Email your review in here at jawsob2025 at gmail.com, or just message me over at Instagram. Thank you very much, everyone. Farewell in the and Show me the way to go home.